0: <coughs> How now, <laughs> brown cow? How, How now, now, brown, brown cow. cow? Red Unique leather, yellow leather. Unique New York. <laughs>
1: Richard. The Line human to ah! was denied a bank loan.
2: Lion face. Ah! Lemon face. Ah! Lion face. Ah! Lemon face. Ah! <laughs> All
1: right, ready? <clears throat> we'll, we'll get started in five, four, three. To, and this is episode 24 of a podcast without a name.
0: That's right, you heard it first. No, you didn't hear it first. You heard it correctly. <laughs> you heard it first here at the podcast. <laughs> that was Anthony saying... Welcome to the podcast without a name. One year anniversary. Oh yeah, this is the one year anniversary. I almost forgot about that. I don't know <laughs> <how> <laughs> you're the one making guys. a
2: big deal about that. And I'm like, let's make it an
0: extravaganza.
1: <laughs> so I was like, you guys totally forgot my anniversary. It
0: turns out the Tonight, first thing on our agenda. Tonight the
2: one year anniversary, the Rockets, Johnny Carson.
0: <laughs> and it turns out the first thing on our agenda is... The one year anniversary of the podcast without a name. <laughs> so the way Without
1: a Name the Podcast ghost. coming at you live on our one year anniversary. Live yes. handle
2: the podcast without a name, the ghost of Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain.
0: That was beautiful. <laughs> so
2: beautiful. Save Davis Jr. What
1: are you guys uh what are you guys sipping on today?
0: Richard? Bourbon. Ooh. That sounds delicious. I'm I'm drinking a, uh, um, just about to open it, a Blue Point Toasted Lager. I don't think I've ever had this. I mean, I've never had it. I told my wife when she went to the beer store around the corner. I said she picked up Stella, which is kind of like this, you know, the standard for our house to just have. And then Mm -hmm. she picked up her um, Blue Moon, some sort of weird flavor of Blue Moon that she likes. And I was like, "Well, just pick me up. Just pick me up. Just a weird six pack. Just something. Whether it's craft beer, I don't care. Just get me something. Just surprise me. You like packaging? Just pick the one with the best packaging." And she picked up Blue Point Toasted Lager. If you can see the packaging, it's actually kind of kind of nice. Looks good. You can't see it this is a podcast. To,
2: uh, do with crabs?
0: Um, no, there's no crabs on it. You would think it would be, but it, it has like a. Like an ocean theme to it, though it does. But there's no crab or fishing theme on it. It's just uh, like the the water. Is it a Maryland uh, brew? No, Long Island. Well, yeah. Well, never mind about that. But Blue Point. So we think you're thinking Blue Point in the crabs. That's obviously what your guys are thinking about, right? There must be like some sort of Blue yeah. Point actual like physical location in on Long Island somewhere. I'm assuming. Hmm. I can only assume. Um, I'm actually drinking something that is po- quite
1: possibly uh, going to join my top 10 favorite beers. It's a new beer that I just tried last weekend at a uh, at a beer swapping party.
0: Miller High Life?
1: And it's... Uh, no, 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 no. It's made by Freewill Brewing Company, and it's called Micromanager, India Pale It's a uh, New England style IPA with... Slight notes of lemon and citrus with a tropical fruit hot profile.
0: How libertarian of you.
2: Yeah. You know what? Really I, I had their really their, really um, I had their, uh, blood orange IPA the other day, and it was quite enjoyable.
1: Yeah, this is really good, guys. You got definitely got to try it. If you like IPAs.
0: It sounds all right. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, the beers, no so delicious. Uh, the bourbon sounds wonderful, too. Um, But the most important thing of this evening is that it's our one-year anniversary. So, maybe that gets it. This is CNN Breaking News. This is not fake news. This is real news. One year ago, hopefully by the time this is published, we decided to make the podcast without a name. Interestingly enough, the reason why we have podcast without a name as our name is because we couldn't come up with a name and we just stuck with it. It's pretty, pretty simple
1: yeah yeah i was just gonna say one year ago we were trying to figure out what our name would be and now we still one year later have not come up with a name
2: and you can tell we put so much effort in because we're like fuck it we'll roll with without with that, a name
0: we'll just go with it yeah i mean and the funny thing is as as simple as it sounds like oh it's a podcast without a name you would think that there would have been like a ton of other people who've maybe temporarily or tried to make a podcast called the podcast without a name. But there was like, when we, when we started, there was none. There were, actually, there was one, there was one from a couple years ago, actually at time now, three years ago or four years ago now. And they made two episodes and they were done. Now there's one other one that created themselves probably like three months ago or four months ago. And so there's another one, but I don't think they're doing anything. They probably saw that we were functioning and decided not to use that name. But you would think there would be like a ton others, right? There's not. Somehow, some way. It's just us, really. We're the only ones producing under this name.
2: Somehow, some way.
1: Yeah. Somehow, some way. Yeah, we're going to have to contact their agents about uh, copyright infringement.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to send them some nasty grams. Anyway, but just, just to get move on, uh, on the agenda tonight, we're just going to kind of quickly kind of reminisce a little bit on the last year of podcasting for us and what it means for us. Um, we're going to jump into some tax reform because that's the hot topic right now. And I don't know if we've ever figured out how we're supposed to say this person's name, but the Kate Steinel or Steenel case uh, with the legal immigrant uh, who murdered her, well, it's up for debate, but who uh, killed her on a pier in San Francisco and who was subsequently acquitted of all but a weapons, felony weapons charge, I believe. So those are our topics for the evening. Let's just jump into the first one. We've been talking about it. It's our one-year anniversary. Congratulations, guys. We made it this far. Believe it or not, a lot of podcasts don't make it this far. And in fact, the funny thing with this is we're episode 24, which is a nice number. We didn't plan for this. We just kind of said we're going to make episodes. We're going to move forward. And it's kind of like odd that we got to episode 24, a nice you know round number um, for for a year. Mm. And here we are. It's it's uh, fitting, I guess. That's an average of two podcasts per month. Yeah, and that's good. I'm pretty happy that that happened that way. We we kind of technically didn't plan it that way, but it ended up that way, and I'm happy with it. Um, yeah, it's cool. What do you guys think about the well, past year? I I uh, I think this
1: year has been a lot of fun. I mean, although I have obviously missed plenty of of. Uh, Cass, I think I missed at least five or six of them. Um, yeah, not terrible, you know, which was the birth of the Joe and rich show or rich and Joe show. But, um, I don't know. I think it's been a great outlet and I think, uh, I think it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. How about you rich?
2: I, uh, I have had so much fun, uh, hanging out with you guys, reconnecting with you guys. Um, talking about stuff that I never really get a chance to, to talk about physically uh, with other adults. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really thankful to um, to have this going for me. I think it's a really fun thing to do. If anything ever becomes of it, that'll just be a bonus. But I mean, this is just a, it's super fun and I really enjoy your company.
0: Yeah. It, so for your podcasting for me, you know, same same for me it's been like therapeutic. I think we talked about this on live streams. So I don't think we've ever put an official published version of our opinion on our podcast because we, we usually speak off the cuff on the live streams. But um, yeah, I mean, like I, I look at the podcast as, as like a little bit of a, a release. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's hard every day to kind of read social media, interact with people that are probably not, not, not like, they just don't have the time to think about it like we kind of think about it. So when you interact with them and they kind of talk simply about things or like some too simplistic with things, then it's like it's frustrating, right? Like especially on social media, it's great to be able to have a little bit of an outlet here where we could have a discussion and we kind of just I, I know we agree a lot, but we do we do kind of keep each other in check. Like if one of us went off the rails, I think we would kind of, you know, make sure we we kind of check them on that. Um, but it's, but it's great to just be able to kind of talk sense a little bit. Cause I know we all are very diligent in how we approach these things. We, we don't just trust the first thing we read. And like, I think that's really important because I, knowing that that's how you guys do this, it makes me feel good because I, I know that I could come somewhere. I could come to a podcast, maybe a little bit underprepared and maybe say something that's really ill-informed or, you know, maybe something I haven't thought through, through very well. And that I could trust that you guys would be there to be like, no, no. You didn't think about this, Joe, or you might want to consider this, right? And I, and that that to me is like that's what I all really Almost appreciate. how
1: I approach every single podcast.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's like, what are you guys doing? What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just come in and say, well, I didn't even, I never heard of any of these things, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, they're well informed enough.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> so but that's to me that's the best part about it because. I mean, I'm not going to get that from like a coworker, like I'm not going to, and granted, I don't want to talk politics at work. It's not a good idea. I don't recommend anyone do, does that, but, um, you know, it's, it's like a, I don't know, a trust thing, right? Like I don't just trust anyone else to give me an informed opinion, right? Like I trust that you guys have some sort of an informed opinion, or if I have, you know, if I have a differing opinion from you, you guys would actually consider it, you know? And yes, that to me is something that's really valuable about this podcast. Um, so that in, in a nutshell is like, well, kind I of, think I th- yeah,
1: I think what our podcast kind of has, has encompassed is the fact that, you know, people can have a conversation even with differing views, you know, uh, differ, uh, different backgrounds, you know, the, the, the conversation in politics and, and, you know, social affairs is possible um if you are willing to have a conversation uh, rather than an argument and you know with all the argument and and you know polarization out there it's nice that we have a forum here that we can actually talk and listen and learn and maybe reevaluate you know our our stances with things and i, I it's important i wish everything in life went that way um so it's it's very refreshing that we at least have uh, you know, a scenario that we can get together and do something like that.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, it was never meant to be this like, uh, you know, echo chamber of like, like-minded thoughts and, and stuff like that. Although, you know, at, some, at times it probably could sound like that when you listen to us, but we try to underwrite everything we do with this, the whole concept for what you just said, like that, you know, we're here just to have a discussion, so regardless of whether we all agree with each other on a topic, the, the purpose here is to start the discussion. So if you're listening to us and you disagree with us, that's fine. That's great. That's, you know, that's the purpose of this. And, you know, we have pledged to have more guests on. We finally had our first guest last podcast. But the whole ultimate goal of all this is to have that discussion, to talk about it. It's therapeutic for me. Yeah, of course. It's great to hear informed opinions from you guys. But at the end of the day, we still just three people too. So you know, I think the the goal for me over the next year, um, not to jump ahead in my little bullet point here, but my goal over the next year is to maybe get some more guests on, get some differing opinions, diversify our thought a little bit, you know, maybe even challenge our own thoughts or challenge each other a little bit more, that type of stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, and I was actually speaking to one of our first listeners, Melissa, who actually uh, was a big part of us changing our format to go from three hours long (laughs) to 45 (laughs) minutes long and uh so i was talking to her and we uh we definitely would like to get her on the podcast Uh, we were speaking about that and that's something that's probably going to happen in the next uh either episode 25 or 26 and
0: if you're listening and since it's the beginning of podcast hopefully you're still listening if you started um the goal of having people on like you don't have to say your name you could come up with alias or something uh we're going to do whatever we can. If you want to change your voice, I'll change your voice. Like I could do that stuff, you know. Um cuz you know, this, is, this isn't making us money. This is making you money. So you, I don't want you to get caught saying something that's not politically correct or or someone might think or you speak out of turn. So my point is you could come on, you could do it. We could keep it as simple so no one, you know, no one's going to get in trouble. Um I'll, I'll give you editorial rights over what you say. So if there's something you want edited out, I will give you that opportunity. Um, or if you would like to have some sort of rebuttal later on, I could put it in the notes for you, things like that. So with that said, Joe, I I don't mean to interrupt you, but
1: I, I got to say this. So when we had our first guest Joe on last time, um, when he first started talking, it actually sounded like a voice. If you're listening to this, Joe, I, I mentioned this to you after the cast. It sounded like a voice that was being doctored uh, to keep them anonymous
2: <laughs> it, <laughs> like they do when he, he they have like that a gang voice, member yeah.
1: on like on on, you know, 2020 or something like yeah. that. When he first started talking, I'm like, is that Joe's real voice?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, he just has a deep manly voice.
0: He's a good radio voice. He would have if he had his own podcast, he would be perfect for it. He's a very good voice. Yeah. Yep we're just broing out over it, and him I out. think he's
2: one of our, he's one of our like biggest fans. Like he seriously listens to every single one.
0: Yeah, that's good. Great. I'm dude. happy we have
2: great
1: him. conversation. I, I'd like to, I'd like to bring him on, uh, with a little bit more notice next time. Cause he came on with like literally zero minutes of, of notice. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so he was, he couldn't be so prepared, although he, he had some great points to say anyway, but, but yeah, we're going to have a lot more, more guests. I think this, uh, this year, I think, um, you know we're also going to be guests on a couple of other podcasts uh, with people that we've been networking with so i think it'll i think it's going to be a real fun year
0: yeah and i think we we kind of recapped uh, rich unless you want to jump in real quick why we started this or what it means to you if you want to jump in um i'll leave that to you just let me you know just cut me off but um real quick i want you guys to think about or at least bring up what you think is your favorite episode or what is your favorite episode? not think, but, um, mine is the North Korea episode. The, we talked about North Korea in a couple episodes, but we had one that was solely dedicated to North Korea. That was my favorite just because I think I have oh. like my, like a really strong opinion about that. And, but, uh, what about, uh, you, Rich, do you have like a favorite episode of yours?
2: I like the, uh, the little, uh, streak we went through with the Russia Trump stuff. Only because it was just such an odd story <laughs> yeah. that uh, I think we kind of played up the part that it was such an on story that nothing at all was happening while wow, everybody's going nuts. Impeach, you have to impeach now, resist, relent, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, people actually took the time to actually read the stories and not the headlines. They would have seen that too, but it was just like us tempering mass hysteria. We're <laughs> <I'm pretty laughs> yeah. proud of that. Yeah
0: how about you uh i uh I, i'm gonna
1: say well you know what's funny is anytime i tell somebody to listen to our cast um i always say like make sure you listen to episode 10 and i don't know why i've always liked episode I don't remember 10 right episode, 10, is uh, episode like 10 if you remember um was well it was one of the first ones that we had our newer format with Um, we were doing 45 minute episodes for a little bit, but we, we got a little bit more in sync, I think by that point. Yeah. Um, but that was also the, uh, rich, rich's monologue that, that started it out, which I really enjoyed at the time. So, um, I just felt like that particular episode was just really well thought out and, and well presented and, uh. I don't know. Always, always just had a thing for episode ten. I don't know why. I think we talked about uh, Flynn and Comey memo. There was Trump Russia Comey firing, like the, all that stuff. Um, but it was, it was, it was cool. It was a cool uh, episode. Listen back, guys. Listen back.
2: <laughs> and thank you for the uh, the uh, nod on the uh, monologue. It was something that I actually just wrote uh, as a Facebook post because of. Um, I don't know. I was just sick and tired of all the crap that was going on. So I, I just wrote something out and then Joe saw it and he was like, Hey man, I think that would be great to put on the show. And so we actually did. Yeah. We kind of practiced, which is not something we ever do. And, and I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Anthony. Uh, It makes me feel good. I wasn't, Uh, I wasn't uh, the only
1: one. we, We gained probably about five listeners due to that monologue alone. So not that we're not, that we're out there advertising or marketing or anything like that for the podcast but you know the the people that i showed that monologue to just because i was impressed with it uh became instant listeners which was kind of cool
2: maybe i should write some more copy
0: of course (laughs) but uh the episode number 10 is called trump russia will trump be impeached question mark russia wins either way great dot 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 so um it kind of dovetails on uh, Rich's favorite kind of episode, which could inadvertently be the same episode. <laughs> yeah, he just said it the could be, or
1: right. we just talked about Trump, Russia a whole lot back in, in the uh, first we talked first dozen uh, episodes. Or so. I mean, it talk- was a big topic.
0: Well, here's the thing. Our first few episodes were two or three hours long, so it was easy to talk Trump, Russia because it was happening. But. Um, well, Russia, what's amazing about it now is, even though we're, we're not talking about it
1: today, that's still a very relevant issue right now with the news with Flynn. this yeah, like
0: two days. But we have an episode on Russian hackers, our first one. I mean, well, not a whole episode, but partially touching on that. Um, Q- Russia being better than Cuba, which kind of hits on the Russia-Trump thing. Yeah. Uh, and then number 10 is the next time we talk about Russia Trump. That's that's the big episode about Russia Trump. So that's probably the one Rich is talking about too. And then I talk about North. my, my favorite one being North Korea, which I think is a little bit later. But yeah, number 17 is North Korea. Um, go on, Rich.
2: No, I was just saying like maybe uh, that should be something if we gain that many listeners, uh, maybe we should try to come together and maybe have some more written material just for the very beginning of the show uh, to kind of... Get things going, and then we can just go from there. I mean, uh, I believe I that.
1: that uh, I don't mean to cut you off, Rich, but I believe episode ten was also when we introduced our first character, Russ Trump, or was it
0: Ru- Russ Russell Trump or something? Russell Trump? Or you guys remember <laughs> Rusty Trump? Yeah, Rusty
2: Trump. I think that's who it was. I think here. Let me see. I think I have our. I'm a third party here guy to- myself. I don't have a dog in the fight. I pulled the lever for good old Gary What's Aleppo Johnson because I refuse to participate in the sports fan-like mentality our political landscapes has devolved into. That being said, this is a very scary time to be an American. It's not because of Donald Trump, who I think is doing a poor to mediocre job at presidenting and an A-plus job of saying stupid shit. The reason that I say that this is a scary time to be an American is because political discourse is dying a horrible death. Social media is partly to blame, because people have access to so much information and they're not doing a good job at separating fact from fiction. This is occurring on both sides. There seems to be no rational debate about the issues, but rather heated exchanges that depend less on facts and more on feelings. People on the left seem to be creating ogres out of anyone on the right. All cisgendered, straight, white males are Nazis. Police enjoy shooting minorities for no reason at all. Free market capitalist solutions to problems are inherently racist and any person espousing opposing views to their idealistic worldview is spouting hate speech and should be shouted down and not given an opportunity to express their opinion. On the right, people see the second coming of Orwell's version of America and Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451 all rolled into one. They're envisioning a country with no borders heading the way of Venezuela's failed socialist regime. They see the death of free speech and the destruction of the traditional family unit. They envision a place where all women want to have a few abortions under their belt. No one can own firearms. There's a mosque on every corner plotting the next terrorist attack. And dinner every night will consist of a vegan, gluten-free, low-carb, sugar-free, non-GMO nutrient paste. Everyone is androgynous, and gay, interspecies weddings will be held at their Sunday service. It used to be that most people would at least agree to disagree, or even meet in the middle somewhere on some issues. Now each side assumes a moral superiority and views people on opposite sides of the political spectrum, not just as someone who has a different worldview, but as someone that is truly evil and means to do them unspeakable harm. Everyone is paranoid, and instead of engaging in critical thinking, people search out confirmation bias and only associate with people who think exactly the same way that they do, which, in turn, pushes them farther to the left and the right, respectively. Politicians are feeding into these behaviors. And both sides are showing fascist tendencies. The lack of gray areas, which is where the truth usually lies, is very disconcerting. Things are already bad, but I think that we haven't seen the worst yet. Things are going to come to a head and people are going to get hurt. It makes me scared for my kids. And in the words of Ronnie King, can't we all just get along?
0: There it is. The famous monologue. Get along. <laughs> when I add that audio sounds wonderful.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it good does.
0: copy too, but I Except
2: for my shitty, shitty fucking voice
1: No, no yeah, I actually, uh, actually like yeah. the voice, Rich In I, fact, think, I, I about, think all three of us have very unique voices It's I very think, good
0: I think we should have uh, Rich do uh, the voiceover for the video we're doing right now Actually, no, now that I, I heard that I think so
1: too actually. No, I'm
0: just joking <laughs> Either way, I'd be happy with having more copy, more voiceovers for everyone All around Anyway,
2: one year anniversary. To me Anthony's like the voiceover guy. I am just bi- I'm biased though. I have an Anthony bias. His voice an is just Anthony beautiful. Bias. It's like it's like a silk like a silk robe that just goes over you. Like- <laughs> Why don't you just get a
1: room? <laughs> well, hold on. what what did what did Joe say the first time we did a podcast? He said your voice is tickling my eardrums.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it tickles the eardrums. For sure.
2: Yeah. And I think what Joe said about my voice is, no, Rich, you have a good voice for radio. It's unique and it's not that annoying.
0: <laughs> Did I really say <laughs> that? It's not annoying at all. I'm pretty
2: sure you said something to. say that annoying
0: would mean that there's a, some sort of spectrum of annoying that it's on. I don't think it's on any annoying spectrum. Anyway. It's minimally annoying. It's minimally <laughs> <laughs> I just, I hate my own voice so we probably all hate each other's like our own voices right so that's kind of the name i've of the game. always hated my
1: voice dude yeah. i hate my voice but i
0: mean everybody hates their own
1: voice yeah
0: that's how it is but anyway let's let's move on because we're we're well past half of, of the episode talking about ourselves
2: <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit!
0: <laughs> which is fine um so we talked about our favorite episode let's just wrap this up What's the, if you had one thing you want to achieve on this podcast over the next year, keep it in, you know, 20 seconds or less that so you don't have to be a couple words, but 20 seconds or less, um, go whoever Anthony go one thing you want to achieve over next okay. year. Go.
1: Short notice, but I would say that I would want, uh, I would hope that people could recognize that political discourse could involve conversation and an intellectual conversation, uh, without being intellectually lazy and just uh going off of the first things they read. Done.
2: Go. Rich. Go. I think we should have <clears throat> more um copy driven uh maybe intros or segments, maybe a little more structure. Um but I have to back Anthony's point to where uh, I want people to view this as uh a a thing to where they can listen to, you know, regular people talking about regular things. And, and I think that that's what we're accomplishing and hopefully we get better at it. And I think that's uh, the key to our success.
0: Joe, go. Yeah. Me, go. Uh, A similar thing. I want to, I want to create a a more of a platform for our listeners. So I know we talk about it. Like I said, we want to have more uh, guests on, but what I want to do is I want to actually incorporate our listeners experiences a little bit more, even if it's not having them on as a guest somehow. So I have a couple ideas for that, but we could talk about that later since I have to be under 20 seconds. <laughs> anyway, good. we got it. We all want so, over 20 seconds. It's fine. I'm happy with that. That's good. Uh, so our first topic of the evening is, uh, tax reform, wait, the topic baby. du jour, if you will. Yes. Tax reform. Uh, and uh, I know Rich has had some conversations on social media with this. So he's probably the most well-informed of this. I, Anthony, myself, admittedly, uh, we're not extremely read up on it. I did some reading up on it today. Uh, to me, tax reform is just something that's needed. I don't think we're getting anything anywhere near what I would like to have done, which is more like a fair or flat tax type of thing. But uh, there's certain things about this tax r- tax bill that's uh, now going to have to be reconciled with the House because uh, it passed the Senate yesterday, I believe, or last night it was. But depending on well, yeah, when, when this is actually p- published, it's going to probably be a, a couple of days ago. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, it was a 51 to 49, I believe, vote in the Senate. Um, and there was, there was some handwritten things at the last minute. It was late at night. And uh you know, so I'm. You know, it's it's good. We're moving. I think it's good to move in, in some sort of direction when it comes to tax reform. But for me, at the end of the day, it's it's really not satisfying what I'm looking for in the long run. Uh, but there's still a lot of hyperbole about this. And Rich, I'll yeah, open up to I, you. Just, I, or, no, no, I guess I'll open I'm up. To go ahead. No, no, I apologize.
1: I, I and I would <laughs> like to to you know hear Rich's thoughts on this initially because he, he does seem like he, he did a, quite a bit of reading on it today but um, I, I read a lot about it today and the funny thing about it that I noticed was no matter how much reading I did um, it, the the amount of pure information that I got about the bill was still limited I mean I understand it was a, a 500 page bill um, and it's hard to get the cliff notes on something like that but um from what i've seen of it it's it's it didn't really rub me the right way uh with how it was put out there how it was passed how how the information's being processed through to the public um but i'm really interested before i dive into my pros and cons and you know the things i like and the issues that i have i'd really like to hear what what rich does have to say about it
2: well um first of all what what I guess, uh, caused me to do the reading that I did was I have a friend from work and, and he is a friend. He's a very nice guy. He's very left leaning, but I don't care. I mean, he's such a nice guy. Um, you know, so nothing against him, but just what he wrote and what I read, uh, led me to say, you know what, this really can't be the case. So, um, essentially what he read, I mean, I mean, what he wrote, Uh, was saying that, uh, you know, I'm glad I don't have kids. Uh, They're going to inherit the bulk of the mess that we voted into law. Um, I don't know how you, uh, you know, um, uh, um, let a foreign government, what do you say? I don't know how you allow a foreign government to help put a lying film, businessman narcissistic sexual predator and TV (laughs) game show host into the highest political power in the country. I guess the writing was on the wall that Mexico is paying for, ha, 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 ha. So I knew that was about the tax bill. So I did some reading. And, uh, of course, I mean, what we already know is that the top 1% of the earners in America already pay half of the income tax in the United States. Yeah, right? in the top, I the think US,
0: the top 15% pay. I think it's 84% of income. It's crazy. Yeah, so,
2: I mean, it's already uh, unequal in that way. And, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say unequal, but just, you know, they're already kind of footing our bill. And that uh, the U.S., you know, um, corporate tax rate was about 35 percent, which um, the global average is about 22 percent. So the tax cut is going to cut the corporate tax rate to 20 percent, which is right around what everybody else is paying. And um, there's also going to be an increase on the taxes. Um, that companies have on their holdings that are overseas. And there's going to be a tax decrease for small business owners. So that's, I don't think, unreasonable. Um, you know, and, and just my whole argument is that we live in a consumption-based economy. You know, um, businesses provide goods and services and they create consumers. Uh, you know, America just historically has done well and business does well. And when there's, you know, entrepreneurship, full employment, you know, I don't, I just don't get why people are against something that would create those conditions. Uh, I get them being against Donald Trump, um, but just to not like something because it comes from his administration just seems sort of short-sighted to me or, you know, not informed.
1: Um, Well, I think, I think it actually goes beyond that. Honestly, Rich, I think, you know, in America, our our normal, you know, uh, for whatever reason, I, I don't know why this is, but our, our normal social way is to not trust anything that benefits uh, the man. Right. The, the CEOs and the and the presidents of big corporations and, you know, pharmaceuticals, people that are very wealthy, you know, to to the middle to lower middle class they're almost like pinned as these evil, uh, you know, beings that, that, you know, get all the perks and we're left with the, you know, all the, all the crap at the end. And, and I mean, I get it because part of it is a, is an egotistical, possibly jealousy driven type of reaction. Um, But at the same time, you also we we are accustomed to, you know, how we've grown up and we watch movies and, you know, The the rich are always the snooty, you know, whatever. And and the poor are always the guys clamoring for, you know, to make ends meet. So, I mean, it's kind of built in our our system to have a distrust for that. And so when you have a bill like this, that is, you know, definitely going to help out the top, you know, 1%. um, The top 15 to 20% we're not so sure about, you know, whether it does anything honestly bad or good to, um, middle class, uh, apparently if you read, you know, any of the kind of lefty, uh, journalism, uh, will say that they're going to be paying more taxes, which I, I still disagree with to a point, uh, because of the changes in the standard deduction, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Um. But I, the, the thing that I didn't like most about this bill, other than a few items that I really don't like about the bill itself, um, is how quickly it was pushed out. Um, the, the the idea that, you know, we could have Republicans, um, you know, we talk about hypocrisy all the time, guys. Right. So the the fact that, you know, we, we had Republicans looking at uh, the ACA, like Obamacare, uh you know, when that was being pushed through and how hard they fought it because they were saying how, you know, how can you just push something through like this without getting, you know, the citizens of the United States involved and, and you know, get people to understand it, at least and, and come up with it, something that helps everybody. You know, then you turn around and you have this tax reform thing that that affects every single citizen in this country. And it's it's, you know, passed. I mean, in a very quick way overnight without anybody really having a whole hell of a lot of information about it i mean i dug for information today and i'm still lacking in full you know full-bodied information about the bill like I, i'd love to be able to read the entire bill straightforward you know what i mean and and you know the, the 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 information that's out there wasn't really presented in a very trustworthy way especially from an administration that is already hard to trust. So I think that's really the issue right now that we're kind of saying. I,
0: I agree with, with your thoughts on that too. Like I think when, when it comes to such sweeping legislation like this and uh, reform, if you will, whether it's healthcare or tax, I think having more debate and, you know, public view in on it is, is important. Um, however, on the other side of things is this is kind of how Washington works too. So we could criticize it rightfully, and I think that's justified for us to say we want to have a, a longer look at it. But realize that the Republicans, although hypocritical, are just gonna are just doing what Democrats do too, right? Like all the and they are hypocritical too in the same regard in this. So they're not necessarily stepping out of bounds when it comes to Washington and doing that. Um, but I think it's something that we all as citizens would like to see change, regardless of the party. So I completely agree with that. Um, as far as my thoughts on the actual tax uh, bill itself and and what it kind of translates into. Admittedly, I haven't dug into it. And usually when I dig into things, I don't just read about it or get the text of it. So the text of it's really long. So I, I have to come to like, uh, you know, reliable sources on it. But what I usually like to do is run some numbers. Kind of give myself, I'm sorry, I'm like very gassy today. I'm burping a lot. Um, so I, I like to run some numbers and and kind of see the scenarios and change change variables and see what it really means. Um, so I haven't been able to do that. But uh, according to the Tax Foundation, just to give you guys a little bit of a, a baseline for, for what is going on with this. Um, they claim, and this is early analysis. So this is an analysis from the recent changes. Uh, for which you uh, maybe Rich could even talk to, speak to from today's research, but um, it would contribute to 3.7 percent increase in GDP over the long term. I'm not sure how they define long term. I'm assuming 10 years because that's well how everything is being measured. And 2.9 percent higher wages, which is probably on par with how wages move to begin with, because that sounds roughly about what inflation would be. It's somewhere around two percent. And it add about 925,000 full-time jo- equivalent jobs. So that to me seems a little slim uh, just because we're talking about a 10-year period. I'm assuming. It doesn't say over 10 years, but the assumption would be 10 years. Uh, it would add an additional 1.4, was it, trillion dollars to the deficit? Uh it would also add an additional 1.26 trillion to the federal reserves. So I'd have to see how how that's reconciled. Why why there's still a little bit of an offset there? If it's adding to the reserves, why is there going to be an addition to the deficit? I think maybe there might be a time frame thing there that I'm missing. Um, that's the major kind of like outcomes for this. I think in real terms, what we will see uh, individually when we're doing our taxes is you'll see caps on deductions like the, uh, I think, the home interest deduction. And I think it'll do away with the, I think it actually does away with the home interest um, deduction on equity loans, but it, it simplifies the tax brackets. It kind of consolidates them a little bit, which if you look at, seems pretty fair and equitable. Um, and then I think, it, oh, it doubles the child tax credit from 1000 to 2000 I believe, per child.
1: I think it's up and to
0: sixteen hundred. Per child, right? And then hmm. and then there's the the uh, the head of household standard deduction, the joint filers and the single filers, they all are upped to single filer. Single people are getting screwed in this, but that's how they've always been. <laughs> so that's nothing new. But when it comes to uh joint filers, it doubles your standard deduction. Head of household almost almost doubles. And it does increase the single filers. So things that are capped are probably more than offset. And I think the major takeaway from the tax foundation is that every single tax uh, or income range will actually see a tax break. So it's not just uh, you know specific ranges that are getting tax breaks. There, um, there was a
1: few. There was a few deductions that were removed. I guess that that uh, you know could hurt certain you know people in in different types of jobs i mean number one um i know they're messing with the uh student loan interest deduction um i think mm. they're eliminating that now although that sounds like an awful awful thing from what i understand you you that that's only where now again it's still a loss uh, honestly but it's it's one of the smaller deductions because the max output on that was was pretty low to begin with um but I would have liked to see something it fa- like that. It phased out really low, too. It. be eliminated.
0: I'm yeah, sorry? The, the, student, the student loan deduction phased out at a really low income, too. So chances yeah. are, if you're making over, I think, 75K, even, in a, I think, in a joint household, um, I think it was phased out really fast. So there's yeah. l- there's little things like that. And I think what people under do not understand is that the majority of the people that – are, well, obviously, I think everyone that's listening to this podcast, if we happen to have a billionaire listening, maybe not. But the majority of the people that are, you know, generally working class are going to be taking standard deductions. And the fact that you're getting a, pretty much a double standard deduction if you're married is it, it, you're not you're not itemizing. So you're making out on this. And I mean. And it, according to tax foundation yes you're making out on because they, they saw a, a lower tax bill for everyone across the board so i mean i mean it's not a surprise but uh, people like to pinpoint little things like these deductions being eliminated or capped but you're getting to the, the pretty much essentially doubling your standard deduction
1: well you know it's the funny, it's funny enough to, that you say that is yeah. when i do my itemized deductions um every year they I'm not even sure that they end up being equal to twenty four thousand. You know what I mean? So, like that—that's yeah. actually I—I uh, I might actually, with all the deductions that I have, might end up taking a standard deduction with the, you know, oh yeah, the, yeah, that's that. So, I mean, you know, th- I can only see that that would help a lot of individuals. Um, another issue, though, is you know how uh, teachers. Um, You know deduct certain expenses that they have for the classroom uh i know that's been a complaint with with some people um another thing to consider though on the positive side is you were talking about the child credit uh you know close to doubling the other thing about that is with the tax brackets that are changing um that also means that uh, you know if you make a certain amount of money um like let's say with the thousand dollar uh per child tax credit uh, if you make a certain amount of money that might be closer to like 600 per child. Well now you'll you'll actually uh, unless you make you know I think it's over two hundred thousand dollars in a household, I think you'll actually make the max child credit per child at the higher rate as well. so you' your you know the amount of taxes that you're paying on your tax base will end up being lower at that rate. but
0: uh, yeah and, you know, and
1: there's pros and cons I, at this point.
0: I want to. I want to just say. Like, I don't want to get too in the weeds, right? Because we, but we all admitted admitted that we're not extremely up on every single thing in this. So I, th- I think what my major takeaway with this is: if you're on one side of the aisle, there's going to be plenty of things for you to to cherry pick and make it sound like it's horrible. If you're on the other side, there's going to be pl- plenty of things for you to cherry pick and make it sound like it's great, right? So for me, it's about that. It is simplifying simplifying the tax brackets. Is it getting rid of loopholes? No. Is it's bringing down our corporate tax rate to the industrialized world standard? I'm happy with that. Overall, the score is when it comes to independent analysis is it's just fine. I think a lot of what I read is largely based around people just not happy that the rich are getting a tax cut too. And they, they they constantly are just like pointing out like how much of a tax cut the rich get. Well, it makes sense if you're 1% one percent of thousand dollars is nowhere close to 1% of one percent of a million dollars, right? So there's gonna be a aggregate larger tax cut when there's a across the board tax cut for the the people who are earning more relative to people who are earning zero. And I thought it was interesting. I was reading a New York Times article about this earlier. And they talked about how the poor apparently are getting like, like, oh, they're, yeah, they'll be fine. They're kind of just keeping, it's a wash for them. They're just keeping a status quo. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're making $0, what what is tax policy going to do for you? There's nothing tax policy can do. You now you're talking about entitlements. That's a whole different ball game. That's a budget thing. That's different. So yes, you can't have an, we're not going to have a negative tax rate for people who earn zero. So Yes, the poor. it's going to be a wash for the poor in every scenario. No matter what you do, it's going to be a wash for the poor. So that's like kind of like a non-argument, but I thought it was interesting that the New York Times was making that argument, they should be a little they should know better, you know, but I don't know, I think the whole tax thing is more more or less about hating the rich than it is about the actual terms of the tax bill itself. And I think that's what you kind of highlighted earlier, Rich, when you were talking about engaging your friend online.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just um, everybody seems to view the rich as. <laughs> and I think I made the analogy of uh, uh, looking at it like the Galactic Federation in Star Wars. Um, they're not some evil group of people that, you know, hate everybody and just want to accumulate wealth and fuck everybody else. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they have their hands in all aspects of that capitalist equation. Um, they pretty much keep the wheel turning, you know, that, that keeps our economy going. So they create jobs, they create products and services that, you know, consumers buy, they create consumers, they provide insurance for people. They do a lot of things, they create things. And, um, Everybody's getting so upset that they get a little bit of a break. But honestly, like I mentioned before, it's just in line with what the rest of the world is paying. You know, um, look at Venezuela, look at Greece, look at Slovenia. Like when people try to meddle in the market, you get a total shithole of a country. Uh, you need entre- entrepreneurship. You need full employment and you need businesses in the stock market to do well. And people, uh, people
0: tend to forget like what makes businesses rich, right? Like we could talk about this. So trickle down is the buzzword, right? Like I told you that we were talking about this earlier. That's more like just some sort of like stupid name they've given to, to capitalism. Right. But it's what they're really talking about is supply side or demand side. And it's just, it's, it's a little ridiculous that like people like, don't understand businesses need a healthy consumer base so for well, example what, if i'm like
2: oh sorry God. no but, well that's what the one guy was saying he was like well demand is what creates uh um uh oh, fuck uh demand fuck oh, demand is what drives the economy yeah demands de- de- the economy. The demand is what drives the economy there's economist. a lot of demand for food in venezuela but they're not hiring more people to reduce food there because they're fucked. Like it, you, it, whenever, whenever government tries to control something, the price of anything skyrockets. It's like you, you used to be able to, used to be able to pay for a hospital visit or a doctor's visit out of your pocket. You used to be able to pay for college out of your pocket. The gov- government got involved in it. And now, because government's backing the bill, people can charge more money.
0: Same with the uh, they can the charge
2: amounts of money. So that argument is stupid. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And the fact that you know people are so upset over the rich getting um, a tax cut to me it doesn't really make any sense. And also, the cuts in this program or this reform bill, whatever you want to call it. They're more skewed towards lower-income people. The The people that are getting cuts, it's it's helping more so the people that are of lower income than it is higher income. Like, uh, 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 let me see here. Hold on. Let me get my, the me thing is, my notes. If there's
0: any, here, here's the thing. Like, If there's any sort of break, even if it is a fraction of what non- people are, so they're 99%, right? Even if it's just a fraction of their break, it's suddenly disproportionate to the rich. Well, yeah, 1% of a million dollars is much more than 1% of 50 cents. Like,
2: yes, it's going to be uh, much uh, more for them. Maybe this will make it sound better, right? The Senate bill would make the tax code even more progressive. The bottom 80% of families... Right, currently pay 30% of all combined federal taxes, yet would get 37% of the cuts. By contrast, the top 1% currently pays 27% of all federal taxes, but would get just 18% of the tax cuts. So the result would be wealthy families paying a larger portion of the federal tax. I get it,
0: dude. It makes sense. I'm not saying this is a perfect bill. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I want some more like a flat tax type of thing or a consumption-based tax. But
2: the fair tax?
0: I'm perfectly down with that. Like in that scenario, uh you know, if you're rich and you're buying the a, a damn yacht, then you're paying much more tax than someone buying a, you know, a Kia, right? So, you know, to me, fine. Let's let's do this. Let's but this to me is just like chugging along with what we've been doing with our tax system. So this, is, this really isn't a huge change for me. Um, I, I just want to make the point real quick. I want to make the point that um, people need to understand as much as we want to villainize businesses and corporations, that these businesses and corporations and these fat cat CEOs, they all rely on a healthy consumer base. They have, they stand nothing to gain from a consumer base that cannot purchase things from them. So this idea that they're just hoarding money in cash is not sustainable for them because these silos of cash doesn't work in terms of their calculus when it comes to investment and growth. Like they need healthy consumers. They need people buying cell phones. They need people consuming Kohl's clothes with Kohl's cash they need you doing this yeah. so this uh, idea whoever. that somehow they're enter, working against yeah. that
1: at, at this yeah. point though enter the uh, the wage gap conversation you know what i mean like so you know you have a situation where people are looking at it as these you know you know you have certain ceos and 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 executives i guess let's just say of of big corporations that are making an exuberant amount of money um you know, two hundred times what their workers are making, um, and the tax or not. is going to affect <laughs> it's more those than people times. more. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. you know, I, I think the issue is, and again, it comes back down to villainizing, you know, people that make a lot of money, um, and and we also got to realize that those people that are making that much money are also a little bit better at cooking their own books in order to. You know, make their tax basis a little bit lower. Um, You know,
0: but it's but it's not cooking both. No, no, and and and
1: and, and I'm using that term. Are you saying that? Are you
0: saying that? Are you saying that like the one percent are just all a bunch of tax cheats? Oh no, because and and again, it's it's one thing to to have a tax. I'm not even getting at that. My
1: my I think my point is that if 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 the tax cut on the top one percent and the tax cuts on the lower you know, 99% percent were completely independent of each other, then I don't see really an issue. Right. Uh, But the argument that I've been seeing on social media a lot today, and it makes sense, although I'm not sure that it's valid is that the top 1% are getting their tax cuts on the backs of the lower, you know, income people. Well, um, and and the the
0: concept of the backs of is kind of a, non thing like it doesn't, it doesn't exist because it's you're talking about f- theoretical money like 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 this idea that it's a zero-sum game right we only have a hundred thousand dollars in our economy that's just obviously made up right and so it, that that money just shifts around So so if there's a tax change then that just means a uh, income redistribution to the upper income earners that, that's that doesn't necess- that doesn't make sense in terms of our economy. Like there's no on the backs of, right? The, the only thing that's happening on the backs of is like us paying for entitlements. like the only thing that is happening on the back of anyone is the eighty four percent of income tax paid by the top fifteen percent that's going towards majority entitlement programs and defense. right? that That's the only thing that's on the back of anyone. So, so to have a three percent cut at you know, you know the the bottom six brackets over the top, right? As opposed to a two percent or one percent cut over that top, just because the aggregate is more for the top earners, that's not on the backs of anyone. Like, I don't necessarily understand well,
2: that concept. Yeah. I was going to say, well, I, I suck at like reading numbers and, and getting really scientific about this shit. But can I just give a life example and do a little bit of a rant? Yeah. Yeah. So do here it, I am. Rich Jefferson. Rich. Right? rich Jefferson's
1: so, monologue
2: 2.0. So, uh, so here I was, right? I was an angry college student. I went to school for nursing. I fucked myself out of that. You know, so. I live my life pretty much paycheck to paycheck, living under my mom's roof. You know, if I had a bill I couldn't reach, my mom would help me. If I needed food, my mom was paying for it. If I wanted a roof to stand under, my mom was providing that, right? So here I am as a poor person getting supplemented for things that, you know, I need, my, my needs. The turning point in my life is when my mom moved to North Carolina, she moved to North Carolina, went to loop. With my sister left me in her house. She said, you know what? You got to pay rent. You know, your bills are your own. I had a kid at that point because I was being paid for. So fuck, I got a girl pregnant. So essentially what happened was my mom moved away. I had a kid I had to take care of. You know what that made me do? That made me go out and get a job. God forbid. Right. So I went out and I got a job. Not only did I get a job, I stuck with that job. I stuck with that job, even though I hated it. I earned some money. Next thing you know, I get a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more money. So I'm paying for my kid, my dependents. I have another kid. My God, I got to work harder. So I work harder, get a little bit more responsibility, get a little bit more pay, keep working, keep working, keep working. Working the overnight shift, it sucks, but I'm doing it, you know. And uh, you just keep at it, man. Like I'm not blaming the rich for my fucking problems. Like when I when I was living in my mom, with uh, in my mom's house under my mom's care, I was like, you fucking hate the rich." You know, we should live in a socialist economy. Like uh, uh, everybody's needs should be met. Yeah, we should have universal income. I was saying all kinds of crazy shit. But when she got real and I realized that it was my responsibility to take care of my own self, that's when my life turned around, you know? So I started working, like I said, job. I didn't like worked it for years, hated it, got a little more responsibility, a little bit more money was being paid a wage commensurate with my skills and education, worked harder, got paid a little bit more, worked harder, got paid a little bit more. Now I'm a salaried employee. Still not doing great, but I'm doing better than I ever would before. And I'm, I'm not being affected negatively at all by this tax cut. In fact, I'm going well, to benefit from it.
0: Most actually everyone will by independent analysis, everyone will have a tax break.
1: And I think, I think a lot of it is in the unknown <laughs> at this point, right? Like I, I think, you know, by, by face value, I'm at, I did my own calculations um, and I will benefit from this. Um, however, that's per what is in front of me right now. I think a lot of it is speculative. Um, but I, I think you know the people that are very, very much uh, you know vehemently against what's going on and the reform is is two parts here. Is number one, it, it's it's diving into the unknown. We don't know how it's going to affect us, but it's been. Um, the optic on it, right, is that it was kind of slimy how it was put out. You know what I mean? It was it was this fast tracked, you know, uh, not even fully partisan type of bill that was put out, and you know there was a lot of uh, blowback from you know major politicians, and that was televised, and and you know things go viral, and then there's the misinformation, obviously that that also occurs um you know so now you have this slimy opt- uh, optic that that's associated with the tax bill not to mention that it already comes from the republican party and trump who could do you know no good right so you have all these things build up on top of not really fully understanding how it's going to affect you at all because you feel that you're in the dark so what you know, what the general public is viewing at this point is, okay, here's a bill I don't know much about. It looks really slimy. It goes against, you know, uh, the things that I would, you know, expect to happen as, as a citizen of the United States um, with, uh, you know, how it was uh, produced and how it was put out there executed. Um, and, you know, that the, you know, outcome of this could only be bad right because it looks like it's gonna help out the rich and not the poor I mean it's all about optic and it's all about misunderstanding or not understanding I don't even want to say misunderstanding not understanding uh, what the bill is actually about and you know what's funny about this is we we came on here saying hey I didn't really I'm not super well versed with this bill well I, I, I'll tell you this that I I spent hours today, trying to become versed on this bill uh after it was passed last night and i still feel that i'm you know not very well versed in it uh for the for the single you know reason that i don't feel that you know there was enough very good solid unbiased information other than what we kind of came up with collectively um about the bill so I, i can see why a lot of people are kind of uh, sour about it at this point. And, and at that point, you know, I think tax season comes, you know, not this year, obviously, but maybe in 18 or 19, and we see how it affects people at that point, you know, um, because remember, you know, we're also talking about a population that cares about their tax refunds, right? Um, how is this going to affect what I get back? How is this going to affect what I'm paying at the end of the year? You know what I mean? Like that's. That's how our, well, the, our you know class, I guess kind of identifies with taxes.
2: Well, the whole, the whole thing is first of all, I mean you could argue that you shouldn't be getting anything back. I mean, mm-hmm. what you earn is what you earn, right? So and my, my whole my whole thing is, like I said, and I was I was a little uh, disjointed in what I was trying to say earlier, but um, right, you take a guy like me, right? Where there's a will, there's a way. If you provide financial food and shelter and security for people in an unlimited capacity, it takes away their motivation to ever provide for themselves. I'm not saying that these people are living high in the hog, but human beings have a pretty remarkable ability to adapt to a style of life after being in it for a while. You know, when you're born into it, it makes it easier. It's true that my instance of being able to pull myself out of a hole was anecdotal. But rest assured, man, I'm not special. I don't have any special talents or abilities that separate me from anybody else. I'm ordinary in the broadest sense of the fucking term. You know what made me change my ways, man? My mom moved away to North Carolina and I had my first kid. I wasn't able to rely on my mom to give me food to eat or help me with bills I couldn't make. Now I had to pay rent. I had to take care of my own responsibilities. And I had two other people that were dependent on me. I had a choice to make, right? I could do nothing or I could do what people in my position are supposed to do. I'm supposed to get a job, I'm supposed to pay, you know, show up to work, I'm supposed to pay my fucking bills and take care of my family. A lot of people think that Thomas Malthus was like a cruel dude when he wrote, you know, the essay, you know, an essay on the principle of human population, but his fucking theory was sound. I was being taken care of financially, so I was making choices to get out of the situation I was in. Because there was no incentive for me to do that. I was warm. I was fed. I had a great cable package. I got rides if I needed them. And what little money I had from working the shitty jobs that I was shooting for. It was, uh, you know, it was enough to party, you know, with my friends and pay what little responsibilities I had. I ended up having a kid, like I said, that I couldn't afford. But everything was going to be all right because I was living in someone else's house. You know, in a lot of people's cases, the government is their enabling fucking mother. Except their mother is never going to move to North Carolina, and they're never going to make them fend for themselves. So, like the whole argument that these things are like, oh, we need more money to pay for people that don't work, is a bunch of bullshit. I did it. Everybody else can do it too. Like what? What?
1: I know, know Joe. Joe, right before you you interject, and I, I'm sorry to 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 interrupt, but what what Rich is is saying kind of like uh, alludes to something that I wanted to say as well, which contradicts what I've actually said so far. Okay, but again, I'm I'm very back and forth on this entire issue, so it's it's not a, really a contradiction. But you know. When I was talking about wage gap, right, because that that is something that comes up, you know, when you're talking about how the top one percent is affected by a bill versus the you know working middle class, right? Um, something that I've that that's come up in uh, debate a lot with me and other people in the past, and my answer to them that was usually kind of stifled at that point was, "Hey, look, you could hate on." these people that have all these quote unquote breaks, right? Or you could be the guy that's working toward being one of those guys that has all those breaks, right? Everybody in this country has the ability, um, whether it's very hard for some or, or, or not, you know, so hard for others, but everybody has the ability uh, to become that, person if you want to just a lot of people don't want to do that you know what i mean so you know it's it's unfair you know to certain people you know when they see uh you know a, a certain type of benefit for people that make x amount of money um but Hard work and, and, you know, being all in at the same time could get you there if that's where you wanted to be. The problem is, a lot of people don't either A, want to be there. Like, I don't want to be a CEO. You know, I don't, I don't want to be away from my family all the time. You know what I mean? Or B, they don't have the determination to even get there if they did want to be there. You know what I mean? So, you know, at that point it's kind of like, listen, we are where we are. You work to get where you are and and what you need to get done and you make your ends meet. Um, And at the same time, yeah. But, but at the same time you don't want something that's going to stifle that mediocre growth that we're accustomed to trying to, you know, to get, you know what I mean? And, and that's, that's, that's I think what people are kind of viewing this tax bill as is a little bit of a stifling on you know even, and again that's because they're not really understanding the full uh you know idea of what the bill is going to actually do for or not for those people you know what i mean so it's it's kind of
0: hey no go ahead man. i'm just oh, gonna
2: so- oh sorry go, uh, I, I, i'm sorry
0: just jumping in real quick we're on 70 minutes here nice so <laughs> I think we beat the tax thing a little bit to death. I know there's probably still a lot more to say about it. I don't, I, I hate to cut us off and I'm, I'm happy with going a little bit longer because it is our one year anniversary. Uh, um, <laughs> <episode>. oh, <no. laughs> but we do, I mean, I, I don't think we have much time for the Kate Steinel or Steenel case. Um, but uh, we we can make some quick points on that if you guys want, um, but we, we're we should wrap things up though because we're getting on seventy. We're on seventy. I right,
1: Why don't we save that um, for the next cast and maybe we can uh, have a little bit more info about the tax reform uh, bill on the next episode and and maybe kind of dive into it. Maybe Melissa will have uh, some good input as well.
2: Yeah, if you cause yeah, the, yeah. if you cause the death of somebody, whether it's by accident or not. You should be charged with involuntary manslaughter, you know, something. You shouldn't be charged with a weapons charge. I think yeah, yeah. that since,
0: since, since
2: the case. Since we was, talked about this
0: real quick, let us let me explain real quick what, what this case is. This is the, the female in San Francisco who was murdered by a five-time deported illegal alien. And the case became a staple on Trump's campaign trail. And so people were watching it really close because of that. And this past week he was acquitted of all charges except for some sort of felony weapons charge. Um, The arguments were that uh, he didn't, you know, premeditate and murder her. And, and it seems like that really is the case, but the, the shocking part of it was that the jury was instructed to not only consider first degree murder or uh or second-degree murder, but also manslaughter and second-degree manslaughter. And uh, I forget what the other charge was. And they acquitted him of all of that except for a weapons charge. And you'll hear people talk about it being murder and him getting away with murder. That's not the case. I think the evidence really did show that it's not premeditated. Uh, there was It was a ricochet that killed her, and it wasn't a direct shot at her. Um, but that's just kind of the cliff notes on it. In my opinion is yeah, he did not deserve murder, but it's actually quite interesting that he did not get some sort of manslaughter, second mirror manslaughter or something like that. Um but yeah. Anyway, that that's just, that's a quick skinny on it. Uh and so Rich, finish up with your thought.
2: Yeah, I mean they charge a drunk driver with vehicular manslaughter if he falls asleep at in the wheel and runs somebody over.
1: I was just going to say that it's not premeditated yet. If he kills somebody, that's that's at least uh, an involuntary manslaughter charge. You know, so something like this, especially with a illegal weapon. Uh, somebody that was deported somebody that actually changed his claim i don't know what was it two or three or four times he, he changed uh,
0: his story several times yeah, yeah
1: i mean you know he shot at a sea lion it fired accidentally while he picked it up it was wrapped in a cloth et cetera. Et cetera. i don't know i i, I <laughs> it should at least have an involuntary manslaughter charge in my opinion
2: this is a product of living in a sanctuary city and living in one of the most liberal cities in the world, and them hating Trump and a killer got off because of politics. Yeah. That's what I.
0: Yeah, think. I agree. I, I mean, I agree that there's actually some truth to that. I think there's still some hyperbole on the right on this when it comes to getting away with murder. Um, it sounds like to me it was like some sort of activist jury, which is. Uh, a part of our legal system right? that was built into our legal system the ability for a jury to make that decision they made a decision it sounds like it was activism that's fine, it's happened the other way around in other cases um, the feds currently have a arrest warrant out for him which means he probably will be picked up because he is in custody in in Los Angeles or not Los Angeles, I'm sorry uh, San Francisco so the feds will probably get him because his felony gun charge uh, I think carries a maximum of three years so he's probably still in custody um, so yeah I agree with all that um, but this this was a, a pretty good episode here Rich guys happy, uh, happy
1: one year anniversary fellas
2: happy one year anniversary,
0: one year anniversary. what what so you can find us on uh, Facebook at the podcast without a name you can find us on Twitter at no name podcaster you can find us on SoundCloud, Spreaker, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Rich's Mom's Basement. You can find things. Rich's Mom's Basement. Um, yeah, I think we're everywhere. And of course, Rich, you know, you're prepared for the last word, just like every other episode. But, um, oh, and uh, thank you, Melissa. We should thank her for one years because she gave us the new format for which we completely violated. Well,
1: yeah, but if it wasn't for Melissa, we <laughs> would have finished this amount of uh, minutes of, uh, of one year in probably about three weeks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, Rich, anyway, you get the last word
2: in three, two, one. Stentorium. Look it up.